This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Rams Talk Podcast. Now, I'm really, really excited to say that we've got uh, one of my heroes from when I was growing up on the pod today. It's ex-Derby defender, Mark O'Brien. Mark, pleasure to have you on. Nah, no problem at all. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad. Um, so we're going to start and go right back to the start of your career. So when you were 16, if, if I'm correct, you moved from Cherry Orchard to Derby. Um, obviously, that's quite a big step as a 16-year-old sort of moving to another country. Um, how was that? What was that like? In all fairness, it, was, um, it wasn't really that difficult as it sounds because, like I say, back then football was, was all I wanted to do. So I could have moved halfway around the world and I would have wanted to move there just to play football. So I think um, for the fact that Derby felt like a place where it was like a home from home, it just felt like I was, I was going somewhere to to try and fulfill my dream and I loved every minute of it. Yeah, you, you spoke about um, fulfilling your dream and, and obviously Derby being your, your home away from home. Um, how long did it take you to settle, would you say? Uh, what, what was sort of the housing arrangement? We've seen some of the, you know, the, the current crop coming through, Jason Knight, Festia Vaselli, living at people's houses and stuff like that. Sort of how, what was the process for you? Yeah, um, they had like a digs house where they had like um, two people looking after a couple of the lads and as I said, it was it was enjoyable because, like you say, you're you're meeting a whole new world of people like that. Um, when I moved away from Ireland, like I said, um, I was someone that off the field I was quite shy, I would say. Um, but it brings you out of your shell and and you start to learn to the basics of 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 living away from home, like making your own bed, um, doing certain meals sometimes by yourself, like all all, all kind of the basic stuff that you do learn as you go along. And as I said, I loved every minute of it, and then also. I got to live with a family um, who were amazing to me. Um, honestly, they, they they took me in. Like I remember I had to spend Christmas there because when I was young, I was fortunate enough to be part of the force team, so I didn't get Christmas off. So they took me in as one of their own, which was amazing. And um, yeah, I, I got to stay with, with another um, woman and I stayed with Jeff Hendrick at the same time as well and Graham Kelly. And, and obviously... I, I spent all them time spending with different houses. Like I say, they, they, they were all like warm and welcoming. And like I said, they made the experience so much easier. And I loved every minute of it. Like you say, it's it's difficult um, probably at the beginning because like you say, you're used to your home comforts, but you, you soon snap out of that. And like I say, it just becomes it just becomes natural and normal to 
kind of be living with different families and like I say, it stands to you so much more. It's really interesting what you say about how you were, you were living with Jeff Hendrick. Uh, that was another one of my questions that I was going to come on to, um, but I'll ask it now. Um, what was it like coming through the academy, obviously, with somebody somebody you've you've you know you've lived with you've grown up with in 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 jeff what what was it like sort of breaking into the first team at similar times yeah it was amazing because i've known jeff since we're like 10 years of age i played in the same team in ireland with him we grew up through the dublin ages and then the young ireland ages like me and him always played alongside each other and then i remember when he signed for derby and it was one of them things that when we kind of broke through and we had a run of games when we did at the same time, it was just amazing. And I lived with him, not just in a digs house, we had an apartment together and stuff like that. So he's someone that like, it wasn't just like seen as like a, a football friend. He's someone who's a genuine friend. And as you say, when you get to experience something like that with an actual friend, it, it's just makes that feeling that bit better because two years can always kind of help each other out and fall back on each other when it's needed. So as I said, it, it, it was brilliant and I loved every moment of it. And, as I say, he's someone that is still a close friend of mine till this day. Sort of talking about breaking through into the first team, you obviously made your debut away at Watford when you were, I think, were you just 16 at the time? Yeah. What What was that like as a 16-year-old coming into, you know, championship football? Like, like what was that like? Honestly, it was, it was, <laughs> it was scary at the time. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget, like, obviously, when I was over, like it was only me four season over there with Derby and I was only just registered as a player. So I do think um that experience in itself, I, I was doing well with the U team and the manager gave me the opportunity. Nigel Clough gave me the opportunity. And as I said, when I travelled away and I'm sitting on a bus and there's Robbie Savage, Rob Holtz, people like that, there's um there's so many so many names, Stephen Boy Waters and all people like that that as you say, you watch them week in, week out when when you're in the academy and, and to know that I was being part of that team felt so surreal and to get the opportunity to play the last 30 minutes of that game um, is something that I'll never forget. And like I said, probably the actual game in itself was a bit of a blur once I came on because, like I said, I came on full of adrenaline and I remember one or two clips in my own mind about it. But as I said, it's something that I always said I'd love to watch back and see actually how did the game go. Because, like I said, I loved every minute of it. And once I stepped onto the pitch, it was like, it just felt as though, yeah, this is what I've always wanted. This is the career. I'm, 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 I'm kind of happy that like I kind of pursued it and how I did. So you mentioned there um, characters in the dressing room. You know, Stephen Bywater, we've seen some of the antics he's got up to off the pitch. Uh, Robbie Savage. Um, so how was it kind of breaking into that inner circle, like in the first team? Was it was it difficult? Yeah, like in, in all fairness, it was difficult because, like you say, um, they're experienced pros. They've been doing it for years and years on end. And as you say, you're just one of these new kids on the block kind of thing coming into it, coming into a squad. So I do honestly think um, they did make me feel real comfortable. Don't get me wrong. You have to like you have to like kind of earn your way in, um, whether that's like making cups of teas and that's cleaning boots and that's doing all like the little jobs in between. Like you say, but you're earning respect along the way because they see it as someone that they can rely on. And then obviously, I said, as I go down and football to me was once I was out on the pitch, it didn't matter if you were a Robbie Savage or anybody, I was always going to speak and communicate and tackle as hard as I did when I was in the U team. So, like I said, the football kind of took over and, and I ended up gaining their respect, which was which was I was lucky to do because, as I said, I've seen it in my career where things can go the complete opposite way. And Sometimes it's difficult to then make your make your mark in a force team, but thankfully they all welcomed me right in. And as I said, it was it was a great experience. 
so your sort of form and you were call up to the island of the 19 team um what was that like sort of playing international football because uh, that's not something that everyone will experience you know there'll be there'll be pros that have played in the Premier League that have never been called up to any sort of level of international football what was that like sort of going away with your country oh it was like probably one of the proudest moments like from from the age of 15 all the way to under 17 I got the captain the country and something like that for me was was a was a massive honor and then to get chosen for the under 19s and as I said sometimes I look back and say, if I have a single regret in my career, it would be that I never got to play senior level international because, as I said, I'm somebody who, who loves my country. I'm somebody who would give everything to play for a green short. But like I said, I still look back and say, I got to do some things that some people, like you say, never get to do. So um, it was a massive honour for me. And like I said, I loved every minute of it once I had the opportunity. Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, didn't you get a call up for the under-21s as well? Yeah, I got a call up for the under twenty ones, but at the time in Derby, I was I was kind of struggling with my knee, but I was I was kind of making it boy by playing week in, week out for Derby, where I was kind of like a bit not training in between. So when I got an opportunity to play for the twenty ones, um me and the manager kind of sat down with each other and we kind of came to the senses that right Derby at the end of the day is your is um is your living really. So as I said, I had to like look after myself and it was unfortunate that I never got the opportunity to play for the 21s, but to have that recognition to be called up for them, like I said, it was it was an honour. So I've got a, a question that's come in from one of our viewers here. So if you had to make a five-a-side team of ex-Derby teammates, who would you choose? You can put yourself in if you want to. Well, I'm going to be in this. <laughs> um, I'd probably have... Oh, that's a tough one. Goalkeeper. Goalkeeper would have to be Frank Fielding. I think um, him as a person obviously got along really well with him, but I think as a goalkeeper, he was a great shot stopper in, in what I've experienced um, alongside him. I think there would be me and... It's a tough one because I was going to say me and either Sean Barker or Jake Buxton at the back. Yeah. N and as Richard Keogh, like this, like literally it's <laughs> right on the spot here. I'm gonna say Richard Keogh for the Irish connection. And me and him actually done really well together when um and he and he helped me along so much more like when he came in with the experience that he's got. So it's no disrespect to the other two, but I think I never got a chance to play with um Jake Buxton often or Sean Barker. Like yeah. and Richard Keogh was someone that I got to play alongside. So I think I would have him in there with me. Um I think in the midfield I'd have to have Jeff in there. I think with the Irish connection, but on but how he kicked on his career and how he just went from strength to strength to strength was somebody that like I think um he was he, he was destined to kind of do what he's doing in his career right now. Like he's he he's been brilliant and it's something that I knew of him all the way back in Ireland. Um I think again in midfield would probably be Craig Bryson because he's very fit. Yeah. He's somebody who can get himself about the place and he was um a very, very good player. But Again, there's Johnny Russell. It's honestly the players that I've come across. It, it's difficult to only pick a five-a-side team. I was going to say, but like then, some of the names you're saying at the minute are like you know for for people you know my sort of age and maybe a little bit younger, like some of the best players we've ever seen in a derby shirt. So yeah, yeah. So and hard. like I say, there's there's still there's still there's still there's still loads of people that like as I said I can name. There's there's Theo Robinson who was up front. There's Jamie Ward, Chris Martin. Connor Salmons, like 
there's, there's all these people that like I look at and kind of say, right, who was who could you pick out out of all them? And and it's difficult, but I think if at the time when I was playing, um, if I had to pick somebody that would play up front, it would have to be Tia Robinson. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think at the time in Derby, he gave everything for the short. He ran about and, like I said, he, he was a goal scorer for Derby when he was playing. So... I think if I had to switch up the midfield, it would either be Craig Bryson or Johnny Russell. But I do think up front, I'd have Theo Robinson, I think, just for how he was and the confidence he was in at the time. And like I say, he's somebody that um, that even till this day, I still stay in touch with as well. So like I say, he became like a really good friend. But then also, I think with his time at Derby, he done really well. So another really difficult question. Um, so which for you was better Beating Forest with 10 men at the city ground, or I think you know where I'm going with this, or that goal for Newport. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the most difficult question I think I've ever come across. Um, the goal for Newport, because of the significance of it, um, I think Newport as a club probably could have folded if that goal never went in. Um, it was my very first professional goal. So that in itself was something that I'd look at and say it was a great moment. But I think the whole kind of significance of people could have lost their jobs if we had got relegated and so much was riding on that one goal. I never knew until obviously a couple of years now down the line when people are still speaking to me about it saying if that goal never went in, we wouldn't be here and all these different things where it's kind of like, but that feeling of being Nottingham, and it was me very first local derby. I think that feeling being Nottingham Forest with 10 men was, was something that, I never relived in my career. It's a it's a standout moment for me again. So for someone to ask me which one was best in two standout moments that I've had in my career is so difficult. Um, but I'd say it'd have to be the goal for Newport, but just slightly below it would be um, Nottingham Forest because in most things that when I speak about my career, that's one of the times where I'll always talk about and say it's one of my favourite games that I've ever played in. Yeah, you've got that that great picture as well, haven't you? I think you put it on Twitter recently of uh, all the lads running to celebrate and then you've got your O'Brien shirt um, in the picture. Um, on to that, that Newport goal. Um, I watched it back just before this, uh, just, to, just to relive it again, because I remember it. I remember it so well at the time. Um, and yeah, so what were you thinking as that ball sort of came across? What was, what was running through your mind? In all fairness, I don't think there was anything. If there was something running through my mind, I probably wouldn't have scored. Um, it was just one of the, it was just one of them scenarios that obviously the manager put me up top because we needed to get a goal. So maybe putting a defender up there will cause disruptions. I could win a flick on or anything of that sort, and um, to kind of 
let the striker score. But I think once the ball came in, strangely enough, I scored the exact same goal in training on the Friday. And that was the and that was the kind of crazy thing about that not many people knew. So like on Friday, I chested it, I volleyed it into the corner and everyone was just thinking, where does that come from? You, you should have saved that for tomorrow's game and everything like that. Like So when it kind of came about, it was literally just an instinct that once I chested it, it just sat up there perfectly. And once I struck it, like, and I even watch it back now till this day and I kind of see the defender, how close he was to me. And I was thinking like, how has it even managed to get past him? How has he not blocked it? But like you say, it's just one of them moments in football that, like you say, is meant to be. And I think for it to be in the situation that it was, it's it's a memory that will live with me for long. And like I said, the celebration afterwards, afterwards it explains for itself. I fall over. It's, I've never scored a goal before. I didn't know how to celebrate. Everybody just was, I think, exhausted at the point of thinking we put so much into that final six months of the season that, as you say, it's it's something it's something that um, when the final whistle went, your whole body just kind of it was the first time, and I don't mind saying it, it's the first time for football that I've ever I've ever kind of shed a tear because I think the emotions that went through that day. It was a late kickoff and everything to the game. So, as I said, it was something that um, it was something that I'll never, I'll never forget. And I, and I always remember that exact moment, the exact time the ball came in. And it's just one of them standout moments in football that, like, like you say, you'll probably never relive again. But you always have it as a memory now. Yeah, I think it's also safe to say you'll never have to buy a drink in Newport again after that. <laughs> so I've got um, a question which. Quite a few people asked, actually. Um, obviously, you played under Nigel Clough. Um, I've referred many, many interesting stories. Do you have a story, and I'll give you a second to think about it, do you have a story about Nigel Clough that people might not know? He's, some, he's somebody that I think, for certain people, um, they probably didn't see eye to eye, but for me, um, he looked after me very well. He's somebody who really loves his baseball. And he would sit and explain baseball to you. He really loves his cricket and takes it very seriously. Um, and he's and he's somebody that I think it, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have had a football career. Because obviously with the difficulties I had at Derby, I think he was somebody that stuck by me through it all. And um, obviously for my family to say thanks, they got him uh, whiskey with some whiskey glasses. And still to this day, I only spoke with him as as the Mansfield manager. He still has the same whiskey glasses. So he's somebody that is just a genuine person. And he's somebody that, like I said, if if you get along with him and you do right by him, he's he's one of the he's a loyal person in football that you don't see you don't see in football nowadays. And then um but yeah, I think I, I like I remember I played in a in a reserve game um in the training ground. And I got taken off at half time because it was like just getting fitness back. And I remember walking off the pitch and all I heard was heads up and he's standing on the top of the hill and he just throws a cricket ball to me. And because I didn't catch it, he actually went mad at me. And I was just like, I've just literally finished 45 minutes. But he always carried the cricket ball around for you and he'd always just throw it at you and make sure that you had to catch it. But like I said, um, he's he's somebody that I always think really highly of as a person and as a manager. I can say that was going to lead on to my next question. Um, is it true that he used to make the squad play cricket in the changing rooms? He didn't make us play cricket in the changing rooms. He actually made us play cricket out on the training ground. So we had to wear all the pads. We had to wear everything. We all we went to a cricket club as well. Um, so, yeah, like I say, he, he, he took it real serious and you had to play seriously. Like, even though you're 
professional footballers and that um, you think, what are we kind of doing here right now? I've never played cricket before coming from Ireland. And then, like you say, we had Thomas Sifka, who probably never knew what cricket was, and he had to go and play and play. So, like you say, um, he took it very, he took it very seriously. But at the end of the day, I think that was just one of his things that he thought that whatever you put your mind to, you have to take it serious. And if you don't, then you won't take football serious. And I think that was his whole mentality behind it. But yeah, it was a, it was an eye opening experience to play cricket for the first time. And I know from that day, I've never liked cricket. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned uh, you mentioned Thomas Sifka there. Um, he was obviously where, with regards to like Derby supporters, he was really interesting because he sort of he'd come in, he'd have a great game, and then he sort of disappear again, and then he'd come in, he'd have a decent game, he'd disappear again. Sort of what was the story behind him? I don't really know. Like Thomas Sifka to me, like was 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 a great player. He was fit, he was strong, but like you say, he's one of them players that maybe he didn't play as much because he wasn't as consistent. And sometimes people people from the outside looking in would look at that and think to yourselves, well, look at the game that he's played last week. Do you know what? He's great. And then he played one more good game. But because there was someone, I think the, the one thing I've learned that if, if, some, if, somebody is some, if somebody is a person that a manager can't trust to play solid seven, eight out of ten week in, week out, they find it difficult to kind of get a run of games. And I think he was that kind of player. And don't get me wrong, he was very talented and he was a very good player. But then sometimes, like you say, he wasn't always that consistent. Then it was unfortunate. But again, he was he was a great part of the squad when I was there. So one one final thing, we're going to speak about yourself um, looking forwards instead of looking back. Um, obviously, as everyone will know, you had to retire. Um, what are your plans sort of looking forward? Have you thought about going into coaching? Are you going into media? Have you got any sort of plan of what you want to do? Um, in all fairness, I've been lucky enough that I've been given the opportunity with media, I think, towards um, with BBC Wales and then BBC Derby and, and, and stuff like that. So I have really been enjoying the media side of things. Um, coaching, I'm not really sure is 100% me. I think a mentoring role to kind of help the younger lads through certain situations and to, like I say, sometimes speak up and kind of be that voice in the change room that I felt as though I was when I was a player but also not on a coaching aspect, more on a on a personal aspect, because I know how much that personal, the personal side of football does go missing sometimes to where you treat it as just treated as a human being. So I feel as though to have that um, level of just treating somebody as a person would go a long way, and I feel as though I could do that. But then also on, on the other side of it, I've, I'm going to be starting a course on kind of speaking out and and doing talks and, and kind of polishing off that side of... Um, me whole kind of uh, next adventure to kind of give myself that next step to, to be able to speak out a lot more and to be a lot more confident and to speak in front of people more than I've been doing recently that I feel as though I've got a story to tell and I know it's not just a football story but also I do have a football story also to tell so like I said I think staying involved with football is definitely on the cards but I think in a different capacity other than coaching that's really great to hear. Thank you very much, Mark, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like I've just relived my entire childhood over the last half an hour. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Cheers. Thank you. A massive thank you to Mark O'Brien for coming on and, and telling his story uh, about his time at Derby, his time at Newport, um, and also the complications that he's faced. I think there's been some some yeah really important lessons from that, which I really enjoyed listening to. 
um thank you so much to everyone for listening um it means a lot that you've you've come and listened to the pod today uh if you did enjoy please do leave a like please do follow the podcast uh leave a review as long as it's five star otherwise i'll get very sad um and yeah do get involved as much as you can we love getting people involved um we've got some new stuff coming up soon it'd be great to get you guys involved over the summer so yeah thank you very much for listening and up the rams come on away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.